Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. I'm so glad you're joining us for this week's episode of Rock Your Retirement. In today's episode, Steve Patterson tells us about the joys of being a caregiver. He also talks about the need for a life plan, which is actually very timely because I developed a free tool that you can use for this. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash life plan, all one word, and download your free life plan building tool today. And now here's the interview. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we talk to you about what you need, besides money, before you retire. But if you're already retired, don't worry. We can give you some great ideas on how to have a better retirement. Remember, there's other things to think about besides money when dealing with retirement. And if you'd like to have a more interactive experience, join us in our private Facebook group by searching for Rock Your Retirement Community on Facebook. Our guest for today is Steve Patterson, and Steve is 66 years old and semi-retired. He spent the last 10 years volunteering for Junior Achievement and the city of Carlsbad. Before that, he worked for UPS for 18 years in sales and marketing, and also logistics supply chain solutions. Let's try saying that 10 times fast as you can. <laughs> he was part of a logistics group that changed the strategic direction of UPS. Now let's fast forward to today. He's been a caregiver for the last three years for Seniors Helping Seniors, which provides non-medical services so that senior clients can stay in their home. And he also works part-time in sales and marketing for the same organization. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. We definitely have not spoken to a caregiver yet. We've spoken to some caregiver organizations, but not someone who's hands-on like you are. So tell us, how did you get into this? For four years, I worked as a volunteer 
at Scripps Hospital in Encinitas. And I, I worked the uh, front desk and I also worked what is called the Sunshine Group. I'd go to every room in the hospital and get them coffee or I'd get them books, movies, newspapers, you know, whatever they needed. I met a gentleman at the front desk said, I've got something that I think you would really like since you volunteer and you know you give yourself and you want to help people. There's this woman, her name's Katherine Johnson, and she owns a franchise in North County, Seniors Helping Seniors. And he told me a little bit about it, but not a lot. And I sounded intrigued. And so I interviewed for the company and I got this part-time job and I started working with seniors in their homes. I would work anywhere from two hours to four hours. Most of the time, it was very, very part-time. Sometimes, if, depending on, on what the case was or the shift was, I could work anywhere between four to eight hours, depending on, on what the need is. As I went along, I, I spent time and I met all these different types of seniors with all these different challenges and really, really got me interested in, in what I was doing. A lot of the times I would spend with companionship. I would be with them. We would talk. We would relate. And I found out that being a senior really helped me in building long-term relationships because most of the clients I have right now, I've been with for two or three years. Tell me, Steve, you got into this after you were volunteering at a hospital because was it a patient that told you about it or was it somebody you volunteered with? It was a fellow volunteer. Okay. So you said that there are challenges that these seniors have. Do you, do you want to yeah. expand on that? Yeah. There's, what's interesting about this is that when I was a kid, there was advertisements going on. The advertisement said that seniors, the golden years are your best years. Well, they can be. If you have enough money or a lot of money if you have good relationships, and most importantly, if you have really good health. So what I found out with this is that the seniors that I'm working with, they don't have good health. I have a client who has dementia. I have another client who has Alzheimer's. I have another client who's relatively young. He's 82 years old, and he has a 78-year-old wife, and they live in Vista, and neither one of them can hardly walk. Uh, The woman is post-polio. And the gentleman caught an African sleeping sickness on a hunting safari about 10 years ago. You're kidding. This is the saddest thing in the world. This gentleman, his left leg is, might as well be paralyzed. He has nerve damage from this disease and he almost died. Are you ready for this? He spent 120 days in ICU at Scripps Encinitas. You're kidding. Did they know what he had? Yeah, they, well, they did. But the, the problem was they didn't have the antidote. They didn't have the the drug that would help him. And finally, they they found the drug that would help him and he he barely survived, but his left leg became totally useless. This guy was a Navy pilot, active, you know, a pillar in his community, was president of the Optimus Club. I mean, just one wonderful, wonderful man. I'm still with him. And so what I do for him is I'd go and take him to all of his doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, and I would have to load him into the car. He has an electric wheelchair, goes up to the car, he stands up, and then I have to fold a 250-pound man into a car. That is crazy. Now, I actually have a question regarding this sleeping sickness uh, disease that made his leg not usable. I am assuming that he was already married to his wife who had polio before he got this disease. Correct. That is ironic. 
Don't you think it's really, that it's, it's very ironic? I'll tell you and your listeners something that's interesting too. Coast News did a story on us about six months ago. Photographer over, and they, they did like a full full story on us, and because they were really interested in how we relate, you know what what are the things that we talk about? How come we became such good friends? And, and that's another thing I want to add to what I'm saying is that what happens is in, in these relationships is that if it's a long-term relationship, you really, really become close, good friends. And you, you really share very deep things about your life that you might not share with other friends that you have. At least that's the case with this couple that I'm talking about. That is amazing. So the news story wasn't on the company you work for. It was specifically on your relationship with this gentleman. What should we call him? We'll call him Bob. We'll call him Bob, yes. Okay, so this relationship with Bob, the story was regarding that, not on the company? It mentioned both. It mentioned seniors helping seniors, and it was mostly about our relationship and, and all the things, all the trials and tribulations we've, we've been through in three years. Wow, that is amazing. So you've been together for three years. What did you think when you first met him? Wow, here's this 250-pound Navy pilot who now couldn't walk because he had the bad luck to go on a safari in Africa. Bob is a guy, and we became really close, and we shared everything about our lives. What I take away from this relationship is the courage, the absolute courage of when your life is totally turned upside down and so much is taken away from your life. And I'll give you an example. Bob right now is lucky if he gets outside of his home one time in four months. He doesn't go anywhere. He stays in his home. Now, why is that? Is it because it's too difficult it's too, to get out? It's too difficult for him to get out. He might go out on his electric wheelchair to his front so he can get some fresh air. But the only time he went anywhere in the last four or five months was with me when I drove him to a doctor's appointment. So what I learned is that keeps me going with this type of work is, is the unbelievable courage that I witnessed, the courage to see these people in these sometimes dire circumstances. But I think they're dire, but to them, they have a much more positive attitude and they just kind of deal with what life throws them. And he's 78 or is he 85? 82. 82. I got it wrong on both counts. (laughs) Numbers. You know, I'm at that age, Steve, where things just fly out of my brain. I'm I'm 66 (laughs) and Unfortunately, I I say senior moment more than once a day. So there you go. You and me both. So let's back up a little bit. Before you met this gentleman we're calling Bob, and you had just joined the organization, what attracted you to helping seniors and why that name? I was attracted to it because it was about senior caregivers. And it was a, a it was a model in the non-medical caregiving industry that we were pretty unique. In fact, I don't know of any other companies that go by this model. A lot of caregiving companies have very young people, young men and women in their 20s that they use as caregivers. Well, what I found out in working with my clients and then interacting with the other senior caregivers is that what I saw was a real opportunity to connect, as I, I think I said this before, at a very deep level. And also to learn a lot about myself and to learn more about what it takes to be a compassionate individual and to be someone who is capable of a certain kind of of giving. It was just amazing. All the things, the patience that I learned, and I'm not a very patient person at all. In fact, I'm a type A individual. I get that. Let me tell you. It was just amazing to me where I have hardly any patience at all, but when I'm helping these people, I suddenly get this grace 
and I become incredibly patient. And I think about two words when I'm helping these people. I think about loving kindness. What does that mean? And how can I be more of that with these people? And how can I be more compassionate and try to make their lives better, maybe make their lives more comfortable? And that, to me, is what it's all about in this business. Is that what attracted you to the company in the beginning or was it something else? Well, it was, um, I liked making part-time income, but it was mainly being with the people, taking on new clients and all the new experiences that, that came along with that, all the different personalities, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. There's a lot of challenges, especially when I'm working with, I have a client that has dementia pretty bad and he can be very volatile. He can become very paranoid about things and he becomes very, very confused easily. Well, how did you learn to deal with that? Did you have any kind of training or like I wouldn't know what to do with somebody? I had a little training, but since I'm not a doctor, since I'm not a medical person and I don't have any degrees or I haven't, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it was mainly for me, it was common sense. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. This man that I work with, I'll call him Ed, okay? Ed is 90, he'll be 91 years old in a couple of months in July. He lives alone in his house and he has a daughter that manages his finances and manages his care. And she's a tremendous person. So is he. And I've never met a more fiercely independent person who will stay in his home no matter what, till the very bitter end, he wants to stay in his home. He doesn't want to have anything to do with assisted living, full nursing care, anything like that. So that's where we come in. And when I first met him, it was very difficult because he wasn't very accepting of a stranger walking into his house. So it took me a long time. Now, did he hire you or did somebody else well, his hire daughter, you? His daughter hired our company, Senior Self. His daughter did, okay. What I found out was is that people that have this disease, the short-term memory slowly, slowly deteriorates, or it can very speedily deteriorate. And what happens is, is that when you're talking, when I talk to my, to my client, he can only retain something for 10 or 15 seconds, and then it's gone. Wow, words, that's not very long. No, so in other words, we stay in the present, and he's, he converses beautifully in the present. He picks up all the nuances of conversation. He can still analyze, become very, you know, lucid, very analytical. But then when it, when it goes away, it goes away very quickly. And so I end up repeating myself a lot. And then I end up listening to stories hundreds and hundreds of times. I just said to myself, you know, I have an opportunity here. And the opportunity is, is to really connect to this person, be totally non-judgmental, never get angry with him, and, and just be really patient and go, you know, sort of like go with the flow and help him out. And that's what I do. And it's kind of interesting. I cook dinner for him five nights a week. And every time I stand up to cook dinner for him, it's like the first time we've ever done it together. And I've been, wow. and I've been doing it for almost three years, but I still say, you know, I use the same line. I say, when, you know, I brought food with me because he doesn't want anybody. Does he know who you are? He knows me more by sight than he does by my name. That's okay. I do that too. I mean, I, I, I forget people's names, but he does know you. Oh yeah. He knows me very, very well. In fact, you know, it kind of heartens me when I walk into the house, you know, he has a big smile on his face, come on in. And sometimes when I've left, he said to me, you live here, don't you? And I go, Aww. I go, no, but I will be back the next day or, or he'll say, I said, I'm, I'm going to be away for a week. And he goes, 
what, are you going out of town? Like there's a little fear in his voice that I won't be coming back. But I do come back. And uh, in fact, today I'll be at his house at four o'clock and I'll, I'll cook him dinner. And I have a two hour shift with him. And I just fell in love with the man. I fell in love family. There's family issues going on and I try to help him with that. I'm an advocate for him. That's awesome, Steve. I have a question. Is your role there to mostly cook dinner and be a companion or are you more of a caregiver where you give him a shower and that kind of thing? What What's the role? No, that's an excellent question. Um, my role with him is what you first said. It's, it's to cook him dinner and provide companionship. Is that everybody's role? No, 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 no. I, I'm, no. I'm going to fill you in a little bit on, on that because that I might as well expand on that. I also uh, drive him places. We go down to Oceanside Harbor. We go to the Carlsbad Boardwalk. A lot of times we've gone to um, stores together and we, we've done done a lot of experiences, antique places because he, he used to be really an, into antiques. That's, That's just awesome. what I do for him. I mean, I've I've been on jobs where I've worked hospice, where I've helped bathe my client, you know, shower him off, shave him, transfer him from his bed to a wheelchair or or his bed to a walker, take him on walks, medication reminders. So it just depends on the on the person, yes. what you're doing. It's not this company only does this type of work. It's the full gamut of everything that has to do with non-medical home care. And for my listeners, there is a difference between medical home care and non-medical home care. And the medical home care many times can be covered by Medicare insurance, but non-medical home care is never covered by Medicare insurance. So I just wanted to make that distinction. That's that's excellent. Would you like to work for our company? That's that's (laughs) tremendous. Don't you need to have a good back in order to do what you do? I mean, I can't imagine myself lifting well, I, a 250-pound man. <laughs> I, I don't lift him. If he falls, then he hasn't fallen yet, which is obviously good for me. I would I would have to call 911. But I have, in the past, smaller people, I have lifted them up. I'm, I'm not sure whether I was supposed to do that or not, but it was kind of just spur of the moment. But Well, if you're showering somebody, I think you kind of have to be prepared to do. Help somebody up, yeah, you're, you know. You're, you're going to get wet a little bit because... Get, <laughs> bring your raincoat. Yeah, bring your raincoat and your galoshes, okay? And, <laughs> and a rain hat. And, you know, because you've got to get into the shower semi, make sure... Um, I, I've bathed men before. I've given them the soap, t- help towel them off, call the shower assist. So to get back to your other statement, yeah, there's a big difference between non-medical, which is what we do. And, in fact, what we do is called ADLs. Activities of daily living is what is is what we do, and you were right when you said Medicare does not cover what we do. In fact, the only really insurance you would need to get if you don't want to pay out of your own pocket for for seniors helping seniors caregiving services is long term care insurance. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I am. It's not really a investment or insurance show, so we're not going to get too deep into that. I just wanted to bring up the Medicare thing because so many people think that Medicare covers this stuff and it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You must be so patient and so kind doing what you do. I mean, like you said, with somebody who has Alzheimer's asking the same question over and over and over again, I, I can certainly feel with you that that must... 
I don't know. You just must be a, a lifted up on a pedestal for doing what you do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I, I didn't really know in the beginning whether I was going to, you know, I was going to stay in this because I did struggle with the challenges of this. And I did come home at night sometimes and I'd lay awake and wonder if I was cut out to do this. But the more I did it, the more it became, it just wasn't about me. In other words, I, I kind of, I left me and my ego outside. And when I walked into the house, I tried to f- become more selfless, if that's possible. And just- So it's changed you. It changed me. Just get into my client, get into what's what's happening at the moment. What, you know, what can I do to make this a great experience? And so if I do that, then the tediousness, if you will, of the repetition it doesn't get to me anymore. I mean, because I don't really, I don't dwell on it. It, it. it just doesn't matter to me. And it made you a better and more patient person. It has. But unfortunately for me, I'm still, <laughs> when I get out outside of this environment we're talking about, I'm not the same person when it comes to patience. Oh, so if I'm driving 15 miles an hour in front of you and it's a 65 mile an hour zone, you're still going to yell at well, me. Well, I won't yell at you. <laughs> guess what? I'll Inside. make sure my windows are rolled up and- <laughs> I might say a few expletives, okay? I mean, maybe. So it's it's not like, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, is that my life is not totally transformed in the in the area of patience. But I will say that doing doing this caregiving that I'm doing, it, it's it's really helped me out in, in in just kind of getting into the moment and getting out of my head and just being with this other person and not making any judgments at all about that he repeats himself a thousand times or his memories going. I'm there to help. I'm there to make the experience better. And that's why you're there. Exactly. Right? And it must be easier for him as well as the family to have you there because I know that when, uh, let me give you an example. So my husband and I haven't been married that many years. Mm-hmm. We, we got married late in life. I was 42 when I married him. So it's been almost eight years. And when he tells the same story, I listen to it and I smile and I laugh because it's usually still funny the 17th time. But it would be a lot easier for me to laugh and listen to the stories if we weren't married, right? I think so, yes. So it must be similar for you. So to have a family member listen to the same story over and over again, it would get a little bit more frustrating, I think, than an outside party. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I I can't answer that uh, definitively, but it does make sense. I I guess the bottom line here is that we take caregivers, we take a lot of load off the family because we're there. In other words, we are there to keep the client in his home for as long as possible. That takes a lot of pressure off of his family because we're there doing a lot of the work. So I think for families that use caregivers, it's very beneficial because we're able to make the wish of the client come true in the fact that I wanna stay in my home. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I wanna be in my home. So if he wants to be in his home, caregivers need to be there to provide services. Now, do most of your clients have caregivers for most of the day or is it usually a few hours a day? How does that work? Well, it depends on the situation. The gentleman that I told you about who couldn't walk, it's very part-time. It's a couple of hours. The, The gentleman with dementia, he has caregivers for most of the day every day. It's different. It all depends on the activities of daily life that are needed. So in other words, 
Some seniors might need medication reminders, meal preparation. In fact, I didn't mention that we also do light housekeeping. Oh, can you come over to my house and <laughs> do some of that for me? Actually, I can. <laughs> I've done it. All right. Oh, only it's probably more of heavy housekeeping at my house. <laughs> yeah, in fact, heavy at mine too. No, we, we don't do heavy housekeeping, but we will do light housekeeping. Again, that's that's one of the ADLs that we provide. So every situation is different. Here's something that, that we do that's really interesting that I'm, I don't know if a lot of companies do this. Before we start our shifts and, and, and before we engage, we have a meeting that usually lasts about an hour. And the caregiver that is chosen by the ownership of the company that they feel would be good for the client, we all meet in the client's house. So the client is there, any family members, the client you know, needs to be there to help make decisions. And then seniors helping seniors, usually the owner is there with the caregiver. And I've been in these meetings. And what's interesting is that we wanna make sure before we even begin that this is a match, that the match between the caregiver and the client makes sense, that it has a chance for success. Because it's kind of like a marriage, right? I mean, you're going to be there. In a way it is because you're, you're there a lot of time. You can be there for hours each day, two hours a day, four hours a day, six hours a day, depending on the circumstances. So it's really important to find out, and you can find out in a relatively short time, whether there's hope of compatibility. In other words, that we're going to get along, that you're comfortable with each other. And that's why we do these meetings before we engage to try to help along the process where you're not sending in a caregiver that's only going to last a week because it's just not working out. Both parties aren't getting along. That makes a lot of sense yeah. to do that. So it's kind of like a matchmaking? Yes, it is. It is. Okay. I get that. I understand. And how does someone like myself, so let's say I was going to hire your service for my dad. Okay. How do I know that you're not a criminal or that you haven't, you know, that I don't have to lock up my jewelry when you come over. Are there any kind of background checks yeah, or anything? There's, there's criminal background checks. Our company is CASA certified. I don't have it in front of What is CASA? Yeah, what do you, well, you don't have to tell me exactly, but sort of what does it mean? It's a certification. There's a very rigorous process of certification that every company by state regulation has to go through. And there's many different facets. In fact, the state, as we speak, has added new regulation. There's new training protocol that's going on right now where, where companies have to bring caregivers back in to be retrained and to go over other trainings. So I've been through security checks. I've been fingerprinted. TB tests are required. So it's good if a senior is going to hire a non-medical caregiving company. It's very good during that interview process to make sure that we're legit that we have the documentation that says that we are a legitimate company that has gone through all the rigor of, of what the state is asking for. Well, that's great. I'm glad that there are rules and regulations because these are our parents. Right. Those are our precious memories. No, no. <laughs> we want to make sure they're taken care of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that's really interesting. You've been doing this now for three years yes. and you are a caregiver. You just told us about two of the people that you have cared for. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you'd like to mention? The other thing I want to mention is that it's really important to have caregivers that really want to do this, that when they're there, they're engaged. They're there to fulfill whatever mission has been decided upon. Maybe mission's the wrong word, but to, to really understand the requirements, what's been agreed upon, and, and to really follow through. 
to me, that's what any good caregiving company provides is it's the personnel, it's the caregiver that's in the house fulfilling the contract, if you will. Being able to work with other people, that's another thing I should mention is that I've worked on several hospice situations where a hospice company comes in and I still remain in as a, as a caregiver. So I have to work very closely with nurses, with chaplains, with social workers and other personnel that come into the house and be able to talk about what's going on, listening to what the nurse is saying about medications. So I can have a better understanding of that and just making sure that there's a, co a coordinated effort that's going on between hospice company and, and caregiving company. People who work with hospice patients, those are living angels. They are. They are absolutely I, living angels. I can't even imagine the the care and compassion that somebody needs to have in order to do that job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean you're, you're dealing with, with eminent death. And so it, it, it takes a really special person. And I mentioned the words early on in the interview of loving kindness and, and compassion. You have to have that. You I mean, you have to be able to, in the most hectic, chaotic situations, you've got to be able to keep your cool and you've got to be able to solve problems and, and deal with any situation that comes about. And I, I've seen it in action. Another thing I'd like to say is that you deal with family members. Me as a caregiver, there's a lot of interaction with family members, and that's not easy because you're dealing with different personalities. There's a lot of expectations that need to be met. Sometimes those expectations aren't met to what the family member wants, and you have to work on that and obviously soothe things over, you know, long talks, and just try to get back. If you're not on the same page, try to get back on the same page. It's really, it's really important to be able to, I mean, sometimes I think I'm a therapist. I mean, you know, I mean you're, <laughs> that you're is... dealing with sons, daughters. There was one situation where there was three siblings and, uh, you know, things got tense because two of the siblings couldn't stand each other. And I was in, in the middle sometimes. And so, well, I'm glad that you were there to intervene. That is really awesome. You know, it's just a matter of just trying, trying to realize that it's not about what's ever going on with the family. It's all about what's happening to the, to the senior who needs help, right? Who's, he needs compassion and loving kindness. That's where it's all at, is to shift your attitude and your thinking and your focus to the person in need. That is absolutely true. And I am so glad that you have explained what goes through the caregiver's mind. Hospice workers and caregivers are the living angels right here on earth. <laughs> So, well, sometimes, yeah, thank you sometimes so we are, and it can be very challenging sometimes, and then you can enjoy some of the greatest moments in conversation between caregiver and client or nurse from a hospice situation, a nurse and a client, social worker and a client. You know, it, you can have just really, really beautiful moments together where you're you're both on the same page and the communication is flowing and you get into the other person's life and you share your life, they share theirs, and it's yeah, it can be magic sometimes. It really can. Is that why you keep doing it? I think so. Yes. That's awesome. Well, let's think about before you started caregiving and you had been retired mm -hmm. and, you know, you were volunteering. What is the one piece of advice that or, or the one thing that you wish you would have known before you retired? That's a good question. I, I retired from UPS, but I did not have a life plan. In other words, I didn't have my life, not necessarily financially planned, but activity planned. So in other words, 
I didn't really do enough thinking about my life, what I was going to do in the second half of my life. I didn't have a good enough plan. So you think people should have some kind of life plan? Yes, I do. In other words, what your interests are, what's on your bucket list, things that you want to do when you retire, volunteer things you might want to do. Because if it's planned and you think hard about it, then it's much easier to implement, right? And it's, it's much easier to go after if there's, if there's a good plan. Now, is the plan 100%? No. Will it change? Yeah, it'll change. It might change a lot, but at least you have a good framework. Well, that's good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I actually have a, a free document to help people with that, and I'll be explaining that at the very, very end, how to get a, a free copy of that. The last thing that I wanted to ask was if you had a friend and let's say this friend was either volunteering next to you or working next to you, you know, they've been retired for a while, but they feel stuck. What's the piece of advice that you would give to that person in order to get unstuck so that they can have a great retirement. What I've learned is that when we retire, unfortunately, we still have some fears. And we have some fears to engage in new and unknown things because a lot of us feel, a lot of retirees feel that, well, I've worked, you know, I've slaved away and I've worked really, really hard and now I'm going to retire. And the feeling or the desire to want to do other things in your life that might be meaningful sometimes gets lost. Sometimes we get lazy and we become complacent and, and we don't want to do something. I'll give you an example. A very good friend of mine, he got me into seniors helping seniors. This man is 77 years old. He works out at the gym six days a week. He does, what's that bicycle, you know, that uh, gyms have those stationary bicycles spinning? Uh -huh. I mean, this guy, are you ready for this? This guy can do a spinning class for one hour straight without stopping. And he's, wow. he's spinning his bike next to 20 and 30 year olds. And he's, he's very active. He's a caregiver like me and might be a caregiver for 15, 16, 17 hours. He volunteers at Scripps Memorial Hospital in Encinitas. And, he, and there's several other things he does also. He's president of his condominium association near La Jolla. And he inspires me. You know, I try to model myself after him. So in other words, he's taking a stance in his life that he wants to be active because he knows being active, being active will give back more to you than you could ever possibly imagine, especially if you're volunteering and especially if you're helping other people. Because when you help other people, you get the opportunity, and I mentioned this before in the interview, of getting out of your head, right? Of, of just leaving your problems behind, leaving them outside the door and becoming engaged and helping on other people and it'll give back to you 10,000-fold. So your advice is to, one, be physically active, but two, also give back. Yeah, give back. And if you give back, I think that will make your retirement a lot more enjoyable. I mean, of course, you know, you're not, you want a lot of time for yourself and your family and your wife, and there, there's travel and all sorts of great things that retirees do. But when you're at home, and if you're finding that, wow, my day, there's so, there's so much space in my day where I'm not doing anything. I would, I would consider to volunteer. I would consider, you know, if you want to work part-time or, you know, get involved helping people, you can call up your, you know, your city government. I live in Carlsbad. I've done a lot of volunteering for the city of Carlsbad over the years. And I can talk to the uh, volunteer director over there and she can help me out with, if, if I'm looking to do things, she can steer me in the right direction. That is awesome. 
Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For my listeners, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week on Rock Your Retirement. Hi, this is Kathy. And some of you have asked me, Kathy, how do I start? What do I do in order to start planning for my retirement? Or if I'm stuck, how do I get unstuck? And that's what these episodes are about. But I know that some of us need a little bit more. We need to be able to put it down on paper. So what I've done is created a freebie just for you. And it gives you a little area where you can write down your goals in each of the areas that we talk about. Social and family, adventure and travel, volunteer and philanthropy, spirit and soul, health and sandwich generation. And you just jot your goals down in each area. You can get this freebie and you'll also receive instructions on how to use it by going to rockyourretirement.com slash life plan. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Hi, this is Kathy. When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You're Moving, just go to medicarequick.com slash move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan service areas vary. California Insurance License 0797566.